0: Hey everybody, this episode of Clinic Gym Radio is brought to you by our new communication system, Clinic Gym Connect. Now, I said communication system. It's also a marketing system. It's also a customer service system and it's also a follow-up system. It's all of those things because it is a communication system and you can't provide great service, great care, or great marketing without great communication. So the secret here is that we want you to use text message-based communication. It's what people do today. If you're just emailing your patients, if you're adding them to email lists through MailChimp and Gmail and all that, man, I just think you're going to struggle to grow. But we have some solutions built into our system that will help you grow and make this year the best year you've ever had in clinic and hopefully in your gym. So check out clinicgymconnect.com. Again, that's clinicgymconnect.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of Musculoskeletal Healthcare, and I think i found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic-gym hybrid model, and over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic-gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the U.S. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey everybody! Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm joined today by the incredible Brad Cox. Brad, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's fantastic. good to be here. Yeah, well, I appreciate your time today, Brad. And Brad is the founder, uh, lead—what would you call—lead janitorial technician and also CEO of AcuMobility. Emphasis is on janitorial services. Yeah, I don't know that's, which that's one really is first. but yeah. you know <laughs>
1: that's that's the key key credential there. That's,
0: don't worry, I, yeah. I mean, every time I've owned a, a clinic or a gym, it's like uh, let's. By time, I'm the lead janitor, and then I also fill these other leadership roles. But you know,
1: things you know. people do not realize that uh, oh, entrepreneurs yes. always end up it's doing.
0: Very <laughs> so, exciting. Yes. So, uh, AccuMobility, Mobility. Uh, basically, you guys are a company that. Oh, man, how would I say it? You have built amazing, incredible tools that help people do their homework after clinical visits, basically.
1: Yeah, that's one of the key things that we do. And really, we try to combine the education with the products uh, that. For, for that specific um, you know, purpose.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure everybody has seen you know, probably the most prolific product that you have is what I would say is the the wall mount lacrosse ball. I mean, it, it, you you call it something different. I don't want to uh, I don't want to uh, uh, undervalue it, but it, it looks like a lacrosse ball cut in half with a big wide base on it that allows people to do some trigger point work or get into places where a lacrosse ball would slip. Or I actually had a client put the uh, they were using lacrosse ball and they put it through the drywall in my office, which that one. Oh, I
1: know that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's
0: the worst. Somebody try to use a spiky
1: ball once on the yeah. uh, the uh, drywall just destroys it.
0: Um, yeah. So. Did I do a good job explaining what you guys uh, what, what your product line is? Why don't you explain it a little bit for those 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 people who might not be that familiar with you?
1: Sure. So we the very first product we came up with um, was the accumability ball. that's what we call it, even though it's mm-hmm. not a ball. Right. Uh, and it was the, the first flat flat-based trigger point ball. Um, and we developed that six years ago. Uh, yeah. We were working on some techniques, doing some uh, trying to teach some homework for for clients uh, that involved uh, pin and stretch, active range of motion, uh, sort of technique, and we were using a lacrosse ball. And the lacrosse ball kept rolling away. And my wife, Doctor Sonny Pasquale, was like, "Man, uh, if if we can make something that just stayed right in place, so that it never left the trigger point, we could really open up and do so much more direct and controlled work on." you know, all these spots that we're trying to work. And so yeah. she had that idea and it grew from there. And we literally, we had a patient who was um, a one of the heads at uh, Rodon School of Design. He helped prototype it. We had other patients who put us in touch with engineers and like literally we evolved to become a product company, but it all came out of the education. We were just looking for a better tool to do what we were teaching people to do. And what was shocking is, we went on to buy one, and it didn't exist. And so nobody, literally nobody, had ever made a flat baseball. And so we own the utility patents on that entire concept. So we own yeah. the idea of a flat base trigger point ball. Yeah,
0: I'm sure there's that some was the email. First so, there's some email somewhere. Uh, some guys making lacrosse balls and and. He's going, why are these crazy people asking for a flat? But have you ever played with a ball? You idiots like this is a ball. Like you can't use that for lacrosse. <laughs> yeah, you It's funny because we
1: get that. We get people reaching out to do lacrosse distribution like for us all the time. We're like, no, no, no. It's uh, you, You're barking at the wrong tree. Yeah. <laughs> this is not lacrosse at all.
0: So that was the I first product. product. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: So, so that was the first product. And we never really planned initially to become a product company. Mm-hmm. we were really an education company and we were teaching seminars and doing all this work in the clinic and outside. And with the vacuum ability ball, we started realizing, well, there's so many other things we could innovate on. And that's really what we've tried to do. And so then we built something called the Eclipse Roller, which is really a leg roller wraps around the tissue to do targeted trigger point work. And then um, Sonia had the idea for the back roller, which okay. uh, is ultra tall, 11 and a half inches tall, um, wide diameter, and it's got a groove for the spine in the middle of it. So that the bumps uh, hit just the paraspinal muscles on either side. So there's no direct pressure on the spine. So when you roll on it, you're getting work done on the muscles, either side. Mm. And that's besides the balls, that is our other most popular product because there's so much you can do with it. And we got a ton of new products coming out and we just kind of just rolled from there. We just keep trying to innovate and we have zero interest in making something that somebody else has already done. Right, so we don't want to iterate. we want to just like literally create new categories, all with the idea though of just making better tools that we can use to teach individuals how to do self-care stuff and help clinicians teach their patients how to do better home care work and that was really where the company came from, and we we're, we're just gonna keep going
0: and see awesome. what else we can innovate on and build i'm I'm gonna guess that most of your uh you know r and d sessions end with why hasn't somebody done this already? Like <laughs> most <laughs> the clinicians no, are no. begging for it. They've all hacked something together. I mean, like, uh, like I saw your ball and I, I just pictured it in my mind, I'm like, many times I've thought about holding a, a lacrosse ball in a vise and cutting it in half with a hacksaw. You know, like I've thought about that to make it more stable, but what's even better about your product is the base is even wider than that. It's high enough that it gets some tissue penetration. Right you know, if you're asking somebody to kind of use it on their pec, for example, like you, you're already in a concavity, right? And then also, exactly. I don't know if you guys refine this multiple times, but the tackiness of it, it, it just doesn't slip. I mean, you can put it on glass for God's sakes. And I think it, it's not going to slip off. It's going to stay stuck where it is to help you work on that, which is great when people are working to say they're rhomboids or something, and you know, they're blind to it, their backs rounded. It's a nightmare scenario to get something to ever stay there.
1: That was actually one of the hardest. It, it, it's shockingly difficult to make that ball. Uh, it is a three-piece mold. Uh, it's this massive tool. And we build them up in Maine. Uh, so it's made in the U.S. And getting the tackiness was really one of the key things that we tried to do. That we went through so many different materials. You know, rubber, it galvanizes and then gets too slippery. Uh, silicone. And we landed on medical-grade, non-toxic TPE material. And so it has these unique properties where you can clean it with Clorox and you can you know, bleach it and it never breaks and yet it's recyclable and yet it's non-toxic and no allergies. I think it's a truly unique uh, material. I have one that
0: I think is five years old and out here, I'm in Las Vegas. Anything rubber will break down after time. It just, the 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 humidity is so close to zero. It's hot all the time. Like bands, like our bands will oftentimes wear out from Uh, environmental issues, totally faster than they will from people using them. And they all turn white within a week because they start oxidizing because of the low humidity and whatnot. I have an Accu mobility ball that I think is older than one of my kids. And, uh, you know, it's still going strong, like, except for the little bit of wear that you can see, or a little bit of, uh, you know, just some, I don't know. You can just see that it's not a brand new ball. Like I would give it to a patient tomorrow. It's perfect.
1: We are so stoked about that material. And so we, we, you know, we got the two levels, the softer one and the harder one, but same material. It's got unique properties. And um, it was a big part of what we, what we searched for. We tried a lot of
0: stuff. Yeah. Well, let's go back to that. Like when you guys were searching, so there you are teaching some classes, looking at your wife, looking at your friends and saying, I wish there's gotta be a, a, you know, a mobility ball that stays stuck on a wall uh, there has to be one out there, right? I mean, I'm going to guess this all started with a, an intense Google search going, what the hell? There's not, this doesn't exist? Like literally, yeah.
1: And, and then immediately from that, I don't, we didn't set out with the idea of like, okay, let's go make a product to market. It was more just following curiosity. You know, okay. we were talking to one of our patients uh, who first, and, and we wanted him for the clinic. We were like, can we just make something? That we can use. That was the like the first thing we tried to do, you know. And then from literally, we were hand pouring molds um, <laughs> uh, with this guy named Doug Borkman, who's a, a friend of ours. He was a patient, um, and uh, he would. Uh, take balls and put them in there. And we, we had all these prototypes, different sizes, all this stuff. And that's we were using them in the clinic and we just kept iterating and iterating. And, you know, Sonny would say, okay, now we need a flexion point here and, or we need this attribute or a little wider, right. Until it got down to the final height and shape. And
0: at that point, it was interesting. We were actually working. Patients, with sh- yeah, I'll sell you one of these. They're they're only like one hundred twenty six dollars a piece. Super easy. <laughs> exactly. <right? Like laughs> each one of them. Right. Like
1: when you when you realize like you know all the costs that go into making. I mean, b- people have no idea. There, there's a reason people don't start product companies. Right. Like it is incredibly difficult, um, incredibly costly, time consuming to do the R and D, to build the tools, to make the products before you ever actually put one out there. And so you end up just taking on all of this risk because you have to believe in what you're doing. And we were working with the shoe company. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're called Topo Athletic. And um, the founder of Topo was the guy who created the Vibram Five Fingers. And okay. his name is Tony Post. And they were in Boston. And they had hired us to make a running program for them. And so we were going to put this assessment and corrective program that had all these mobility drills in it. And it just so happened to be that we were designing this program for them at the same time that we were also working on this this ball and this product. And so the confluence of those two things is what really made us think, okay, let's push this forward and let's include it in the program. And so that program launch was, you know, runner's roll, all this stuff. And the ball was in there. And that was kind of like what then made us feel confident to jump to, all right,
0: let's try to do this. Did they help you with the working of, I mean, they kind of understood foam and and rubber and and molds, right? I mean, had you been hired by a company that did like, you know, that they were like, hey, we sell barbells, it would have been, it might not have uh, worked. Well, they actually had no part in the development process. They took
1: a huge leap on us because we said, listen, we're going to put this in the video. It doesn't exist yet. It's not going to be on the market yet. But we're, we're going to do this because it makes all of our exercises better. And they just believed in us that somehow we were going to solve these problems, get this wow. product to market. Looking back, I'm like, wow, that was an amazing leap of faith They're, You know, now realizing how hard it was to do in the beginning, you're kind of naive. You're like, Oh, of course we could do this. And now you go, Oh my God. Like it's just constant obstacles like every, every day. And so they had the faith. They're like, okay, well, we believe in these guys. They're going to figure this out. And they let us put it in all the videos. (laughs) And then we were like, Oh, all right. So this is in all the videos. Now we really have to make
0: this thing. Yes. Uh, But they didn't help us at all. Definition of uh, building the airplane while in flight. Right. Like, literally yes and, and one of these, how, exists, of these exists and we're gonna make would. it sound like a thousand of these exist and then you could buy them today like
1: <laughs> i mean that is that is pretty much what we like where That's this began awesome. with and yeah. then we figured it out and yeah. but we didn't use them at all for that right they were just supportive um, interesting. and you know encouraging um
0: yeah. and we're still good friends with them and we work with them on other things but so you you throw in the videos and now you're basically pot committed to actually making this thing because you know you're gonna get hits like hey where do i buy one right and, yeah. then, and then how do you go from that to, you know essentially you guys are uh uh the uh the non-drug version of breaking bad right you're mixing chemicals in your kitchen essentially <laughs> trying to produce these mobility boring like, exactly. like yes like literally telling your kid cups. hey listen I don't know how this is gonna go go into the other room real quick just step, in case. A step aside yeah you know? <laughs> that's literally pretty much how it
1: works you know in the office bathrobe you know boring chemicals and and (laughs) working this up yeah oh by the way um, we
0: totally believe in holistic health here because we're an acupuncture but don't breathe don't breathe any of these
1: chemicals (laughs) (laughs) exactly right because that was before we figured out what tpe was and you know god knows what these molds were actually made out of it that like prototype phase but they smelled really bad let's put it that way it was not good (laughs) i got a little lightheaded working on it that's awesome Um, and so you know sonny and i were, were working on those with the help of um you know, one of our patients who is a, you know, product guy and designer. And then uh, we got like a close enough prototype that it works. And that's what we use the videos. And then we were looking for an engineering firm. And like, how do you, how do you do this? How do you bring that to the next level? Which is not easy to do because a no large company is going to take your phone call uh, to make something if you have no track record.
0: And right? let's just put this in perspective for people, because I, I've had some friends that do some manufacturing uh, like in, in the world of manufacturing to have a small run of something oftentimes right. could be 200,000 of them. Like the, uh, exactly. a lot of companies are like, we're not even going to do it until you had 2 million, a run of 2 million of them. You know, they don't want to talk to you unless right. you can guarantee volume. Right. And that's the
1: challenge if you're a small guy starting up. is that the to first cross time you that-
0: 200,000 of them, they cost you, 2 to $5 a piece, where at some point, they'll be $0.25. Cents. But early on, the molding, the oh, setup... Oh, my God, I wish these would be $0.25. Cents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Making in right, the it, U.S. is both a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, a blessing and a curse, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> But no matter how cheap they are now, I'm going to guess your first run of them was five, 10 times more per unit. Like because Not only of-
1: that, but you have to pay for and build the physical tools to make them. Right. And so we own the tools, these massive stainless steel molds that were laser cut and had all these intricacies and injection, you know, for releases, like all this stuff, right? Like this huge project. And you have to make one of those to even make the first real one. Right. And so you're doing it off of your prototype and you're trying to get there. And so the first one of those, you make a couple of cavities, but you need to make more and more to keep up with scale. And like, it's this constant investment and iteration to grow. And it never stops. And that's the thing people don't realize is that like every time you grow, it's just more challenges, more investments, more scale, more like it doesn't, it, it doesn't actually get easier. It just gets I, bigger and newer problems.
0: Have you read a uh, shoe dog by Phil Knight? I
1: love shoe dog. That's actually one of the, best, if, if nobody knows what you're talking about, right? But Phil Knight's story of Nike growing and literally like the, the reinvestment process was one of the best examples that people have no idea when they, yeah. when they, Think of entrepreneurs and they see successful companies or they see people who like made it overnight or any of that stuff. They have no idea what what the reality of building that is.
0: Yeah. for and, two, and he for those, did a great
1: job displaying that.
0: Yeah. For those listening, uh, there's a part where Phil Knight talks about Nike had doubled in growth every year for something like eight years. And so you'd think, oh man, you're, you know, like if you're a clinic it. had doubled every year for 10 years, like you'd be, you know, doing backflips his bank uh, calls him into the office and says, Hey, we think you're committing fraud. Uh, so we've reported you to the FBI and we're no longer going to, you know, have you as clients. And it's like, what? And they're like, yeah, your, what? your outgo of cash is just too big. And he's like, we're doubling in size. I have to order shoes before they can, I can sell them, you know, like, and then the, the other funny part was when uh, I said, I think he said like Nike was doing $25 million a year in revenue and he flies his new sales guy to the East coast. They land and he swipes the company credit card and it gets declined. And it
1: gets declined. Yeah. <laughs> you're always, if you're growing, you're always at the edge of um, sanity. Uh, yeah. You're always at the edge of awesome. the frontier. And that's kind of what happened to us. This is year six and we have literally doubled or two to three X every year. And so, and then we're R and D and we're investing in new products and we only make top quality stuff. So we've like, so our stuff costs more the, like, yeah. to R&D and make because we yeah. want it to be back rollers ready to a 1,000 pounds, right? Nothing's ready to a 1,000 pounds of pressure, right? Like that's overkill because we're like, this thing's never going to break, mm-hmm. you know? And so people just don't realize what that process looks like. And, and it's something I'm interested in, in explaining to people because I think a lot of people have ideas They want to make something, they want to do something, you know? And it's like the process behind that is both incredibly fascinating because you realize that you can, you can build things, but it's also incredibly challenging.
0: And those challenges don't get easier. Uh, they just get bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And you just get more used to more zeros at the end of every check request, right? Like. <laughs> That's the only difference. Right? Uh, <laughs> like, just send us another 50 grand and we'll uh, we'll attempt to maybe get started. <laughs> okay, what happens after that? Well, then you exactly. send us another 40 grand and we actually get started. But we can't ship anything to you.
1: <laughs> right, and, then, and then like a year and a half later, right, yeah. after doing that, you know, like some of our products that we're going to launch the next year, we've been working on for at least two years, building tools, testing stuff, investing into all while trying to grow the existing product lines. And, and you know, that is just like, it's a fascinating, unique and, and stressful process yeah. because yeah. growth is hard.
0: Yeah. Uh, in in every sense, I think growth is hard, right?
1: In in every sense,
0: yeah. <laughs> so going back to that first initial, you guys kind of devise this. I kind of cut you off, and we took a little jag. But you're pouring chemicals in the office. Uh, you, you know, you're getting lightheaded, and uh, which is probably beneficial for you to decide to move forward, you know, like you shouldn't have been yeah, in the you're a little high, state yeah, of mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, this yeah. is going to work, man. We're totally <laughs> <is fine>. great. <laughs> yeah. Double the orders. So how did you get to the point where you could actually produce these, in a in a way that you had products to take out to stores or give to trainers or whoever your early network was? I mean, you needed to have quite a few of these to just go down and get, you know, uh, different people interested in them, right? Or host these classes and give them to participants. How did you get to that level of of product?
1: Well, and this is where I would say that we are, owe an enormous blessing uh, to our patients uh, and our community because we were deep in the strength and conditioning community. So we knew uh, all these people, you know, who were top coaches and you know uh, had reputations and believed in us so when we said we're going to do this they helped get like vouch for us to the world the, they put it out they were like these guys are legit their education is legit look at their product and that kind of helped us cross that divide of you know unknown just operating in our clinic right in our local communities uh training people working on movement problems to then being able to uh, cross that event horizon and get, get, get bigger, fast enough that you kind of like can get to the scale you need. It's really because of those connections and those relationships. And so we made the balls in Maine, um, and that allowed us, uh, to be locally sourced, which was incredibly useful in terms of, uh, the, you know, the initial runs were driving up there back and forth, right? Like, I'll pick up a box of them, right? Like, and, and so that process, and, and truthfully, the, the, manufacturer up in Maine they're just they're they're great people too down to earth you know um down earth Americans who just like believe in entrepreneurship and so they took a winger on us as well and and we look back and we just we owe a debt of gratitude to everybody who took a chance on us who was like we don't know why but we think these people are going to figure this out and make this
0: you understand that ball won't bounce right (laughs) uh, exactly
1: right And that was, that was the key, but it really all came from the education is why we took the initiative to do this because it was no different than what we'd already been doing. The only Mm -hmm. difference now was that we had a product that happened to go with it, right? We were already teaching seminars. We were already doing deadlift clinics and uh, running workshops Mm -hmm. and working with the shoe company, right? And working with clinicians and trying to teach people how to assess and correct. And then we use the word unify, right? Which essentially tie together uh, moving patterns. And that's really was the core of what we were doing. Uh, that was the core of why we created the product. And because of that education, which differentiated us from all of product companies on the market who just made foam rollers and made things like that, we could get out there and we could say, not only is this a really cool tool, but here's how to use it. Right yeah. here's why to use it, yeah. and so we were able to then connect with and and build with you know bigger coaches who are like this serves a need this serves a role in my clinic, right. and that's where we started. We didn't go to retailers, we didn't go to shops. Yeah. Right, we built a network through clinicians to try to teach them stuff, and it all came back from education. And that was really the driving force.
0: You know, it's funny. You can see multiple companies that kind of have done that um, up in your area perform better. I'm sure you're familiar with them. They, you know, are a product company, and they realize, hey, let's let's offer education and show people how to use these products and why to use these products. Backwards, and gonna, yeah, and they're going to buy it right. a lot. I mean, you look at Rock Tape. Rock Tapes. Oh, actually, yeah. uh, I mean, how many tape providers are there on Earth? Like, I don't know. There's got to be two dozen of them. But Rock Tape really went after these seminars and education, and and they have that incredible brand loyalty because you can use any sort of tape, but people love their product because they love their education. They feel like, hey, I get it. I'm a part of this. And then they've launched a bunch of products from there. That'd be the only thing, uh, the only advantage they have over you is theirs is a consumable. Like we got to find a way for this mobility ball to break down after three months and people keep buying them, you know?
1: <laughs> right. You're like it lasts forever. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like I wrote a book terrible. and the
0: worst thing you ever hear as an author is like, I, I loved your book. I gave it to my friend. It's like, no, like, keep no, yours. No. buy them <laughs> one.
1: <laughs>
0: Don't exactly. load it yeah. But to your point,
1: like that was yeah. why we were able to do that. Like, so in the first year uh, we actually partnered with Graston Technique, for example, and mm-hmm. we became their official partner. So they, we taught them, then they included in their level 2 course our education right awesome. how to assess and correct stuff and then they put the ball in there right mm-hmm. we partnered with kabuki strength part of, like we partnered with people all education driven mm-hmm. for how to solve unique problems versus just trying to sell a ball right yeah. and that was the key difference yeah and and that's yeah. that's been the differentiator mm-hmm. is is that cuz that's so, what we actually are about
0: yeah, so uh, just speaking to that Acu Mobility ball, the, the flagship product, what was the first time you got some feedback from a, a user or a coach or somebody that was outside of Brad's little circle of, you know, one degree of separation that you're like, somebody reaches out to you and says, hey, I love this thing. How can I get more? Do you remember that, that first interaction that, where they didn't deal directly with you guys and, and realized it was an incredible product?
1: I'll tell you, God, there's some good early stories uh, related to that. Um,
0: and it all happened very quickly. Um, In so 20 we, years, this is going to be the documentary and they'll use parts of, you know, the interview as like yeah. the early days to kind of, you know,
1: so. Which is crazy because you forget some of the stuff, right? Like, <laughs> even though it wasn't that long ago, but like when we launched,
0: this is what um, we should do. We, Pull out your credit card statement from the early days and let's go through when it, <laughs> it peaked. So, no, like literally that's what you did. That's what we did. So have you have maxed it out on May 6th and then again on May 9th. So let's talk about those two things. <laughs> right, right, like what happened there,
1: right? Exactly. But
0: no, what happened was, so one of our
1: patients, um, a guy named Jeff Bromhall, um, uh, was was power lifter. Uh, we worked a lot of power lifters. Um, he'd gone to this seminar with a guy named Chris Duffin from Kabuki Strength right? And he told Chris, he said, you got to talk to these guys um, at at Mobility. They got this really cool product. They got this great thing. We had just launched the company, literally just launched the company.
0: And we went, when was this? Give me a year. This was
1: February of 2015, 2016. Okay. Either 2015 or 2016. Um, And we went to the Arnold Sports Festival. Right. Uh, And that was our very first event we ever did. Whereas the Arnold sports Festival, and we sponsored USA powerlifting. Right. So we were like one of the key sponsors and we were like, we're going to make a splash. We're going to show up in this little booth screamed for three days straight because it was insane. And Chris came over, uh, Duffin came over and uh, at the very end and our patient, you know, said, Hey, you guys got to talk. Right. And we just missed each other the whole time. Then within an hour, we realized that we were kindred spirits. And we really liked what each other was talking about. They just launched Kabuki. And we, we left and we're like, we got to stay in touch. And I flew out to Portland, I don't know, a month later. And we hung out for a few days and we filmed and we did all this collaborative stuff together. And then Chris believed in what we we're doing. We believed in what he was doing. Uh, Chris told everybody and their mother, right, like about us too. And that's when we started having some of these, you know, connections and broader experiences. Uh, And then it just kind of spiraled from there. And that's why I say it's really because of the patience and because of the vouching for the education that we were doing, that we were able to say, hey, this is real. This is legit. This isn't just some product, right? These guys are doing the education. And that's what we connected with everybody about. It actually wasn't about the ball. It wasn't never about the product. Every time we went somewhere, what we did with them is we did our assess correct unify stuff. We did, we did breakouts like Chris and I were at Cressy's, and we were breaking out his staff and we're fixing their knee problems. And we're like, and that was always the driver is that how do you incorporate this in your clinic? How do you incorporate it into your gym? How do you incorporate it if you're at home? That message resonated with people and we tried to make it as simple as possible showing that this is this is one piece this is one tool this is one thing right here's how you can work it into being the most efficient here's how you can do this and so that kind of spiraled but yet again it was all because people resonated with the message of the education And so, and then we, you know, like within months, you know, you kind of just keep building relationships, building relationships. And the next thing you know, every single MLB team is calling us, all the NFL teams are calling. And and that's when you get those crazy kind of weird experiences where you're like, I'm sorry, what the Astros want to stop? And like, you just have launched. And that, and those were, those were cool um, to experience. But looking back well, the most fun part was connecting with people on the education, right? Like that was the most exciting part is that like, you get to show up. And we do a seminar or we're working with like a, a clinician or we're working with Graston or we're working with somebody. And we're showing like, hey, here's how you can incorporate active mobilization into the clinic center. Here's how you can incorporate this. And then the ball just happened to be the very best tool to do that. But that's backwards from I have a product to sell. Let me go sell the product. That wasn't how we approached it. Right? Mm-hmm. We approach it with, we got this education to, to share with people. We want to help people understand how to assess, how to fix, how to incorporate yeah. like active mobilization work in the most efficient way possible for different kinds of problems. Let's hit that and let's partner with educators on yeah. that. And then the messaging takes care of itself because then you go, oh, and guess what? Like This ball is literally designed to solve this. And then this roller is literally designed to be better at it than this. And that was the process. And that's still what we're doing today. We're going to launch uh, online cert courses and, um, uh, or, or, or big online programs to cover different topics. Um, we're going to launch a direct kind of, you know, how do you do mobility work at home online courses? Like, we've got a lot coming out on that. Clearly, COVID made it harder to do in-person stuff. But, like, that was and continues to be the core of the company. Is not products. We we happen to be a product company. We are really an education company that has products.
0: You're an education company that makes specific products to support the education. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that and that is different.
1: Like you pointed out Rock Tape, right? They're one of the other very few examples of that,
0: you mm-hmm. know?
1: Uh, and that has been a key differentiator. There's a thousand foam rollers out there. There's a ton of mobility products, like all that stuff. The coupling of that with education, with high quality stuff, is what has made us unique and differentiated.
0: So let me ask you this, Brad, for my listeners, uh, you know, most, uh, so for, for everybody listening, Brad is a clinician as well. Uh, before he was Mr. Big time in the manufacturing space, he was <laughs> you know, an acupuncturist. Uh, your wife's a chiropractor and acupuncturist who obviously went to the, uh, what's termed the Harvard of chiropractic colleges because she was in the same class I was at, uh, uh Southern California university of health sciences. Um, and she's uh, the real brains, brains here. So let's Oh clear. yeah. She was Little in our too. class too. Like yeah. I think if you divided her GPA by two and then subtracted another 0. 0.7, you'd get to my GPA. So yeah. she's always been a leader. Um, yeah, quick and smart. <laughs> anyways. Uh, so you guys are, you know, you, you, uh, you hands-on clinician teaching workshops and doing all that stuff early on before the, the products ever came out. If you were advising somebody in their local market to Ghana, they're like, Hey, I want to increase my, my business. I want to increase my clinic, right? And uh, from all that you've learned in these other businesses, if you could go back and advise that person how to build up their clinic, what would you tell them from all the lessons you've learned? Because you've learned these lessons uh, also with high stakes, right? Like you had to invest in product yes. or invest in stuff, invest in travel. Whereas in our local clinic, sometimes we get a little The the stakes aren't that big because people just happen to walk through the door,
1: right? Yeah. So, do you mean um, because there's two different directions I can go with this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's the specific advice based off of like how to build a robust clinic,
0: and then there's how do you
1: differentiate yourself.
0: What I'm utilizing. Yeah, no, I would love to pursue either one that you think is important because I'm hearing number one, build a network, and I don't want to say work the network, but work the network in the sense of approach them with your education. Show them how you can, like what you did with Duffin is, hey, I can help you improve your performance. And if it benefits me, that's great. But rather than, hey, I want to benefit from you. That is a
1: great way of putting it. Right. And I think it's something that gets lost with a lot of the like quote unquote marketing talk, right? Like Mm -hmm. clinicians uh, think they have to market in a specific way. And what we found like we we never marketed once to build the sports medicine clinic, like literally not once. We just over delivered value. And every time, if you over deliver value and you have a, um, a persistent drive and desire to solve unique problems and you're willing to teach your patients and then teach, Essentially, the person who referred your patient, the value you're adding to them is so immense that they're the ease for them to refer to you becomes very like just they look better by by referring to you, right? Because you're adding value to them. We would show up to to gyms in the early days, right? And we would teach we would teach them we would help them solve problems. I, like you know, you, would you, you got you an that Early stuff, or were you no. doing? Not in at all, point, right? And that and that was the thing. And uh, even our uh, how we approached uh, initial intakes, right? We would yeah. spend two hours breaking out everything a person did, right? Because we were always focused a lot on movement yeah. uh, and solving movement issues, right? And so we already had a unique niche and applying acupuncture and all these other tools. Like we didn't fit in a box, and that was helpful because it wasn't just one thing. We didn't approach it like any one group would approach it. We only oh, cared about we the didn't end approach result. it
0: like any sane person would approach it.
1: Exactly, right? And uh, what we wanted to do is we just wanted to find always the best way to help the patient and or help the gym and or help the clinician. Whoever was referring, solve that problem. And when we deliver on that, and if you deliver on that, you naturally build a goodwill with people because it's not about you then, right? And it's not about you asking something of them. And in the nature of that, your relationships deepen. And your ability to be an authority grows, and then your ability to leverage that expands. And that's, I think, one of the key things that people miss is that you have to build that. You have to build that trust. You have to build that authority. Uh, You have to build all of those things through giving, right? Like Through giving of effort, time, energy, um, and really trying to add a lot of value to people. And if you do that, then your value increases. Right. And then your ability to, oh, I don't know, uh, get more choosy about who comes to the clinic or, or you know, be able to uh, do what we do or something like that. Right. Which is just a whole other branch off, mm-hmm. you know, of that increases. And yet again, that goes back to education. Right. Like, like we always saw ourselves not as the person who's fixing your problem, but the person who's there to teach you how to fix, how to work, how to improve your own stuff. And really, acumability is just an extension of that, right? Mm -hmm. Now we do it on a massive scale, right? Instead of on a one-on-one scale, we we try to still do that thing. But if you're a clinician and you can do that for your patient, and then any tools you can use to incorporate in that allows you to differentiate yourself in the community, that makes you an expert who is both giving, right, um, effective, and also... Seen as somebody who is a resource immediately, immediately changes the game, right? For your ability to create long-term successful partnerships and relationships that over time have compounded interest. But it all goes back to teaching. Like literally, every appointment we saw it as an opportunity to teach somebody something. Your intake was an opportunity to teach you something. Sure, we do all the orthopedic tests, we break it all out, but we use that only as a means to show you how to work and improve your own problems, involve you in the process, involve the coach in the process, right? And do it in a non-threatening way. We're never critical of other people. We didn't never said like, oh, that's bullshit. Oh, don't do that. It's like, no, no, no. All right, so that strength and conditioning coach, he's trying to do this thing. He's getting stuck here. How can we help them get to where they need to go? Make mm-hmm. them look better, make their patients happier, make their clients happier. And then how do we like, empower them to be doing that for themselves. Because here's the thing. Everybody fears that, oh, if you teach your patients well, how to care for themselves to do so, they don't need you. They don't need to come back. Well, that was half of our pitch. That was half of what we said. It was like, literally, I'm here to facilitate your learning to make you better, Mm -hmm. right? And guess what happens though? Well, when you empower people, not only do they want to come back, but you become the resource for any new problem that comes up versus a transactional sort of relationship where you're there just to adjust them just to scrape something, like whatever it is. That's yeah. not a model that like you can build long-term trust with. And so that was the one piece of advice. Yeah. And, and with that comes what we do now with clinicians. And and what we were doing pre-COVID was teaching courses all around the country for this, which is teaching them, how do you add in education components to your intakes? How do you add it in as homework? Uh, that's a lot of what we do with like the products. That's a lot of what we do yeah. with the education is we teach clinicians, hey, okay, you've got this client. Here's the work you know you're going to do on them. Well, here's this other layer you can add. And guess what? By adding that layer, you are now an expert and a resource for them in a much bigger way. And those tools, you need to keep growing as a clinician, right? Or as a gym owner, as whatever it is that you're doing. And if you can grow that component, right, you can get better about learning how to teach them how to quickly assess and spot fix stuff. Here's how to use, I don't know, the mobility balls, right? At home for homework, to care for the thing I just did on the table. Here's how to know whether you have this problem, right? Like every step that you can interject is helpful in building your authority.
0: I think think you're covering a huge point here uh, with the education. Uh, If I were a young clinician today and I was trying to build up my practice, I think the first thing I would do would be to put together a a fixing movement course that's maybe one to two hours long for local coaches. So let's just say CrossFit style gyms, and you just talk about fixing the squat. For example, you and I know that dorsiflexion is a huge component of that, that for the most part gets overlooked completely in the coaching realm, but in the clinician realm gets addressed all the time. I would just bridge that gap and I would just do a one hour, maybe two hour thing about when to fix it. And then I would say like, here's what you can do use this tool, use this thing, use this thing. And then I would just draw a clear line and say, if it doesn't, if these three options don't work, that's a good time to bring me into the, fit, into the mix. You know, like, but try all this. I'm telling you, like all this stuff that you'll blow, your coach, you'll blow your clients away. They'll love you. They'll be impressed by you. Try and build them up as much as possible and just make a clear line about, here's where you recruit me. And because a lot of their reason that they're not referring, I'll just tell you from my experience, I don't know if you ran into this too, Brad, is they don't know when to call you in. 100% and they're like, they don't I, don't know know, when. I don't want to fill it. I don't want to bother you. And you're like, no, no, for this type of person, bother me.
1: I think that is literally the best advice. I, I agree with you. And that, that is actually what we did, right? We did two hour squat clinics in which we assessed lower leg rotation and ankle stuff. Mm-hmm. And we fixed it. Like we, you just do this, add value, Be be seen as an expert. And in that two hours, I mean, that person got so much out of that. Well, what do you think is going to happen when they hurt their elbow? They're going to call you, right? Because they're like, well, who's the guy who helped me the most with that? And that's where you cannot underinvest in that. You cannot underinvest in your development and your ability to communicate that Mm -hmm. in a way that is non-salesy, that is not about you, that is not about trying to get somebody in the door, but that is about adding value to them. And, and that's literally, you know, I mean, that, that's one of our biggest goals now, like as a company is how do we give clinicians those tools to add that education component, right? Because that's a lot of like what it is we're doing, right? Is that component, that thing you can do, you can show up to that place and have a squat. Our seminar, right? Yeah. And show, here's how you assess this. Here's how you work this. You can bring a bucket of accountability balls in, and you can have them all do that work. And guess what? You didn't treat any of those people, but half of them walked away immediately with improved squad form, right? And the other half, like if they had something going on, immediately see you as like the guy at a call. And either way, you're now part of that community, which means yeah. when stuff comes up, they're going to think of you. You do that over time, right? Over years, you cannot help but be successful
0: because yeah. it's
1: not about you. You're adding value, and you're really helping people. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's what we did for the clinic, and that's
0: what we're doing now. Yeah. Hey, I want to do a little quick live read from our sponsor because I think it fits very well here. You know, uh, this this podcast is sponsored by uh, Clinic Gym Connect, which is a software that helps you connect to your patients, your referral sources, um, to your clients in the gym, and. Brad and I just talked about the importance of education. If you were to educate your local coaches and then have a follow-up campaign where you maybe every week send them tips about fixing squats, fixing overhead presses, fixing all those things, and empower them to be a whole lot better of coaches and work with their clients at a higher level, they'll be appreciative. But it's super important to stay in communication with those people. So sending them those messages and having a path for them to communicate back to you to ask questions, to send pictures, to send messages is one of the components of clinic gym connect so if you're interested in doing that check out clinicgymconnect.com or there's a link on the clinic gym hybrid homepage. clinicgymconnect.com allows you to do that through the method that your clients are already communicating which is text messaging it allows you, everybody in your clinic to communicate through one single number no matter who in the clinic that person is trying to reach we can assign those conversations and you can create campaigns Say you want to have a campaign just for local coaches about the squat clinic. You could have a campaign for patients who come from those gyms. You can have all sorts of campaigns that communicate clearly with them and help them uh, hit that higher level like Brad's talking about. So check out clinicgymconnect.com. All right, Brad. Well, thanks, because this is I think it's it's everything (laughs) you're you're uh, you're confirming everything I believe in. You know, education is huge. Um and the, the products have come out of the education piece and getting out to your local community building that network is is huge. That's the other thing I would do as a young clinician. Well, two other things piggybacking on what you just said, I A would assemble a list of of local coaches and I would I would never stop communicating with them in a very yeah. valuable way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the value second, them. yeah. The second thing I would do for any uh clinicians listening out there, if you want to put together education, I would love to get your opinion on this, Brad. But I would say try and first develop one amazing course. So let's say you're fixing the squat. Don't try and fix the squat. And the next week you fix the overhead press. And the next week you fix the horizontal row. Just go for one of those and make it mind blowing to your coaches. Here's how I would start it. I would go to the coaches and and say, hey, what is it that keeps people from coming back? Or what's the number one complaint you hear? And whatever they say, oh, people can't get into their overhead squat, or people can't do this. or they have pain with pull-ups or I can't do this. Cool. So for me, I love working with golfers. And the number one thing we heard was from female golfers who said, I just can't hit the ball far enough. We did a workshop. We called it the driving women's workshop, all about uh, women hitting the ball further. It was super basic stuff. They loved it. Uh, we We couldn't get enough of them. Like we couldn't like our classes were totally packed. They loved it. They told their friends. We became the place to help you uh, with golf fitness to hit the ball further. Women, country club, female country club members were by far our number one clients. If you look at the average value per one of those that walks in, they scheduled super easily. They never rescheduled. They never missed. They never had trouble paying. They would buy everything we offered. It was they were easy to work on, you know, like some old crusty guy that's, uh, whose blood is 28% uh, high level scotch is a little bit tougher to get to recover. These a little harder. Yeah. These <laughs> women took care of themselves. They were in great, I mean, they're per absolute perfect patients. And it started with that conversation of what's the number one thing you deal with. And that's what we thought we could fix. So along that, would you go for multiple courses or would you start and, and knock out one of them? Um, we,
1: we did almost exactly what you just said, right? And we, we applied it to uh, the strength community. Like, like, yeah. like literally, that was the exact same thing. It's funny because uh, I originally did TPI like 11 years ago. That was like the introduction to FMS. is I did all levels nice. of TPI. I thought golf was going to be a big thing. But in our area, there just wasn't that much of it, right? And so it turned out, you know, we, we built these rows with the strength crowd. But that's exactly what we did. We literally came up with like, and it was actually about squat, right? And we came in and we did that one. We also developed another one just because we had a different community that was a running-based one, right? So we did have two totally different kinds of uh, things that we emphasized, but both had the same key features. Um, and it was uh, something that's actionable, uh, something that adds uh, a, both a clarity for a problem somebody might be having and an immediate thing they can do about that thing, right? That, that has an impact on them. So they can leave going, I know more and I've already improved something right? They won't have improved everything, of course, but you added value through teaching them more, right? Which is where the assessment, there's got to be some sort of assessment component to that, right? Assessing the underlying biomechanics, right? First first part of what we teach, right? And some sort of corrective technique, you know, we always lean towards the active mobilization, uh, using the balls, right? To create an immediate change and something that ties that together, that's the unification part so that you've bridged the whole thing. Hey, Here's the end goal. You wanted to squat deeper, whatever it is, right? You rotate better in your golf swing. Here's an assessment to show where it is that you're, you're king to where what's not working efficiently. Here's an action you can do, in this case, active mobilization. Here's a way to tie it back together. And boom, at the end of that hour, look at what you can do now and make it that simple, right? And solve a problem because there's a thousand problems you could solve, right? To your point, you don't need to solve a thousand problems, right? Like you just need to solve one really well. That is immediate transference to that. And that's kind of like the magic sauce. Uh, and that's what we're trying to give people the tools to do is, okay, how do you do those quick assessments? And how do you do those corrections? And How do you put it back together quickly? Right. Don't waste a lot of time. Don't roll everything. Don't do all
0: this like wasted stuff.
1: Targeted work. If you can do that, man, you blow people's minds and they're
0: happy to yeah. come. I hope everybody listening heard what Brad said and the energy around the assessments. You have to include an assessment because the the secret to that is if you're the person teaching, if you can get them to buy off on the idea of an assessment, typically what that does is it isolates one problem. And right. most of us have the clinical knowledge to easily knock that problem out. So let's just say it's, I don't know, let's just say it's, a, let me think of a good one, thoracic spine rotation, right? Like That's this, a great one. Yeah. yeah. If you can get them to buy off on, oh, wow, that's isolated, and I can see that it's limited, and then you fix it, they're not going to check their entire rotation. They're going to check that assessment, which you just improved. And so it is like a trick for the person teaching because you're not saying you can fix everything, but you're saying, hey, I think I got a trick for this one. And they know how to retest it. And so then they go home and tell their husband, wife or whatever, like, oh yeah, I couldn't turn to the right. And then the guy like did something funky. And now look, I can turn all the way right. They have to buy off on the assessment. And it also is reassuring to what you're teaching. And it makes you look like more of an expert when you show them how to analyze it, you fix it, and then they reanalyze it afterwards. Because so, that's
1: all they'll remember. That's right. it, right? Yeah. You, you'll know all this other stuff. And you'll be like, they'll take away like two things, right? And that's that's the key one we found people take away. And uh, it's fascinating. because. And then, then later, if they do come to the clinic, well, then you can get into the depth and solve all these other problems one by one, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the other thing we try to emphasize all the time is that there's an order of priority to what to work on, right? And this gets lost a lot, is that people, they see a thousand problems, and they're like, well, let's work on a thousand things. It's overwhelming to the client. It's ineffective, you know? And so that's a lot of where the assessments come back in, is that, like, we're trying to identify those one or two key starting places. That's it. That's the whole objective. That's even what we do in the clinic. You work those, you fix those. Guess what? Ten other things clean themselves up. If they don't, well, then you go to the next one. And in your seminar or whatever it is you're teaching, if you can nail just one thing for the person, it's a success. Think
0: about like, if if you tell me, Hey, my car's not running well. And you go to the, uh, you go to the mechanic. Probably they could replace your tires and things would improve a little bit. Probably they could replace your brakes. Probably they could do an alignment. Probably they could replace your spark plugs, your distributor. They could clean, you know, all these things. Yeah. You could improve everything for $10,000 or We could go through a process and find the one thing that is making your car run the poorest. fix that, and then have you hop in and you go, oh my God, I couldn't accelerate to 60 miles an hour. Now I can. You guys are amazing. And it's like... I I changed that air
1: filter and now like, you know, like the one
0: thing. The one thing. And I think you were asking new clinicians, right? New clinicians
1: are the ones who get the most caught in complexity because they've learned so much cool stuff, Mm -hmm. right? And they're super stoked and passionate about... Getting it out there. So they want to do everything. They make super complicated training programs. They make super complicated treatment approaches, or, or they don't, or, they, you know, like yeah. there's other models clearly yeah. where people aren't that, right? But that's what I see a lot in the simplicity side, which is the other big part of our messaging, is the hardest part for them, right? What is those one or two key things? And that's a lot of the clarity we try to bring, like when we teach clinicians, when we teach courses or blogs or something mm-hmm. about that, is that, like, okay, super complex world lots of ways to approach problems. Lots of them work, right? You can fix a problem 20 different ways and they're all Mm -hmm. valid. Some are going to be more efficient and faster, but you need to be able to communicate and execute that with Mm -hmm. a simplicity to it. Because otherwise you're going to overwhelm your Mm clients. You're going to get overwhelmed. And then you're also not going to know what worked. And this is the hard part. You do too much stuff all at once. You don't know what worked. Whereas if I use two balls, and I do the vice technique, to the lower leg, and I immediately change tibial rotation, you can squat better. Guess what? I know what the thing was that worked <laughs> and you do too. And then you're going to be willing to go do that homework and you're going to be willing to go repeat that because you're like, oh my God, to your point, I went to this thing. I couldn't do this. Now I can. Awesome. I'm going to do that in my warmup. Boom. Right. right. <laughs> and
0: and the next the time I have a, an issue, I'm definitely going to call that guy, Brad, because the way he fixed this lower leg thing. And I bet he can totally help with the shoulder pain that I'm experiencing a year later. Exactly.
1: And and that's literally what it is sometimes a year
0: later, right? That person has, you know, their neck hurts or whatever it is.
1: And you're like, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so funny. Like the education piece. I mean, like, um, I grew up Catholic and, and, and the idea to say like, you know, don't, don't let anybody know that at the church they're using the Bible. Cause then they'll never come back is like the most ridiculous thing ever. You educate them about the Bible. All the people do is go, well, I'm going to dive into that myself. And also when I do, I'll probably come to church more often, more consistently, more all that. And <clears throat> I think when we're young, we have this, whether it's professionally young or, or, or young in age, we have this idea that, you know, giving people information, giving them the education means it's being taken from me. And in fact, it's not a seesaw. Like the education is not on one side of it. Both of those rise, you know, at the same time, the more I educate you, the more you want education, you know? That's That's you're
1: totally right. I couldn't have said better myself, right? And that's the piece I think a lot of people, forget or feel uncomfortable about is that they, they feel like, well, if I teach this, this guy isn't going to need me anymore, right? And you're like, it's just not true. It also goes with the whole, if you have to act like you know everything or you know how to fix everything, right? Because if God forbid you say, oh, I, I don't know this thing, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to be seen as a fraud. It's like, that's also not true. We try to instill like in our patients and then in our, the clinicians, when we teach them, we try to instill this mantra of it's all detective work, Right. You have to lay out the fact to your patient in advance that this is detective work. I'm gonna start here. This is where the process is. Look at what we learned. We're gonna then do this thing. Right. It's never that I have the end all be all only answer. It's that no, it's a process. Once you explain that to somebody, they are completely willing to go along with the process. Yeah. If you try to not explain that to them, then the moment you're wrong about something, they question you. Right, yeah. because you told them that this was gonna work this way and only this way, and then God yeah. forbid, oh, their elbow didn't get better, right? Now you're a suspect, right? Now you're well, I them. thought he was an expert, yeah. you know. And so, yeah. we're like, no, no, you don't have to do that, mm-hmm. explain to them the process that goes back to teaching, it goes back to education. You're educating the patient about how to even look at problems, right? And so, when we teach our patients, it's interesting, a lot of our patients have become clinicians. Because they got so interested in what they were learning <laughs> being a patient that they were like, oh man, like I want to go do this now for a living. And, and I mean, like a disproportionate number of them are now doing that because we, you were, I literally teach them just like I teach a clinician. It's no different. I don't teach them like, you know, because it, it should be simple for both of them. I don't overcomplicate it for clinicians. I don't overcomplicate it for patients. I try to be as direct and process oriented as possible. And that's what Sonny and I did in the clinic. And that's what we tried to do with ECU-Mobility. Teach people how to do that. And it's shocking if you do that. What A, it's less stressful, right? Because that's the truth. It is a process. Individuals respond differently to stuff, right? You don't always know immediately what the first and only thing is going to be, right? You got a lot of your library of things that have worked in the past, but you're going to try something. And as long as they know that that's literally what the process is. And then when you get that feedback, you know the next thing to try, You can you can work on problems. Otherwise, oh man, you know, now you're in all these weird dynamics that you created because your ego or fear or whatever it was set up this dialogue with them that totally misrepresented what it is that the process is. Don't do that. Like, just don't do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I had a, a MMA, being out here in Vegas early on in my practice, I had a bunch of MMA clients and one was an instructor to a lot of, he taught kickboxing to a lot of early guys in the UFC. And I was asking him like, Oh, what's the, you know, what, what have you found is the best uh, way to win a fight? And he said, he looked me in the eye and he said, don't get in fights. <laughs> That's it. That's the best way. Like, Cause there's never, you never know what's going to happen once you get in one, just don't get into fights. I was like, "Just don't do it. Wise don't, words, don't wise fights. words have never been spoken. So, well, Brad, I think we could go on for a couple hours here because uh, I love your energy and I love your message. It's super exciting. Why don't we do this? Uh, first off, can you share the website where people can get some of this education, look at the products and all that?
1: Yes. So it is acumobility.com and that's spelled A-C-U mobility. Uh, no, no two C's, one C. ACU stands for Assess, Correct, Unify Mobility. So acumobility.com. And then uh, daily, we also put out uh, educational videos on our Instagram page, which is also acumobility.com. Um, and YouTube Acumability. we we are constantly trying to put out education in different formats. But uh, through the website, you can find the products, you can find videos on how to do stuff, and then links from there.
0: Fantastic. Well, Brad, I certainly appreciate your time today. Uh, definitely say hi to Sonia for me. Um, it sounds like you guys have created such an incredible line of products, based in a line of education that is benefits clinicians, benefits patients, um, and improves performance, which is. It hits all the markers. So congratulations and thank you for what you've contributed to our little world of movement and movement correction. It's, uh, it's an exciting time. And I'm glad we're not just stuck with crappy uh, made in China uh, lacrosse balls. <laughs> <We can laughs> instead, find your your amazing products. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you for having me. I guess this has been a lot of fun too. It has been fun, man. This is one of my favorite interviews uh, ever. You're just a bundle of energy and it, it keeps going the way I want it to go. So With that, I will say uh, on behalf of Brad Cox from AccuMobility, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Brad, thanks so much. Awesome, thanks Josh. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clinic Gym Radio. As always, this episode was brought to you by clinicgymconnect.com. What is Clinic Gym Connect? Well, it is a communication software that allows you to connect with your clients, communicate, market to them, follow up, provide amazing service and help them fall in love with you even more than they already do. So if you are interested in all those things and people falling in love with you, you should probably check out clinicgymconnect.com. Once again, that's clinicgymconnect.com.